Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. My name is Kylie Miller and today we have with us um, Dennis Burns and Mr. R.L. Say hey guys. I'm here. I'm here. And we also have a special guest with us, Mr. Bobby Skeen. How are you today, Mr. Bobby? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, Let's begin by telling us about yourself and um, and also about the Louisiana Cotton and Grain Board. Thank y'all. Be glad to. Uh, of course, my name is Bobby Skeen, and uh, I'm born and raised in Louisiana, live in the Delta. Uh, um, I'm the executive vice president of the Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association. The Cotton and Grain Association is a, is a trade organization like, like many others. Uh, I, I think we're uh, much smaller than, say, a Farm Bureau Federation, but, but a trade organization nevertheless. Um, our organization was started by, uh, by a group of what we call our founding fathers back in 1968 as the Louisiana Cotton Producers Association. And those guys got together to, to uh, come up with an organization to represent the interest of Louisiana's cotton farmers uh, of the day. Now, over the course of, of those years, since 1968, as we have seen our crop mix change and uh, diversify in the Delta, um, a handful of years ago, the board of directors got together and decided that we needed to be more representative of the commodities that are grown in our member areas. And uh, we actually had a name change to the Louisiana Cotton and Grain Association. Since, uh, since we've seen the influx of grain growing in the Delta since the early 2000s, with the onset of, of more co uh, corn production and certainly soybean production. So with that, it truly give us the opportunity to start uh, being more representative uh, and to maintain our representation of what our members were growing in our, in our area. Uh, at the time, we, uh, we had membership in about uh, 24 parishes, uh, mostly from Alexandria North, or Rapids Parish North, to the Arkansas State Line, to the Mississippi State Line and to the Texas State Line. Uh, but as we have gotten more involved in those other uh, commodities, we now serve, as, uh, in addition to being a certified producer organization for cotton, uh, as recognized by the USDA and the Cotton Board, uh, we are also the state affiliate for the National Corn Growers Association, uh, which is corn's national commodity group as well as, as part of the American Soybean Association and the United Soybean Board as well. Uh, we, we participate with our counterparts at, uh, at the Louisiana Farm Bureau to choose representation for soybeans leadership as well as uh, with some with corn. And, uh, and uh, we also serve as a certified producer organization for grain sorghum. So, the organization has come a long way since 1968. We're heavily involved. We uh, 
being that we're involved in those national commodity groups, it gives us statewide representation as of right now. So we actually have members all across the state of Louisiana, and there's about 650 members of the Louisiana Cotton and Growing Association uh, at this time. We, uh, our, our main charge has always been on federal farm policy. Uh, we will get involved in some, in, in some of the state legislature uh, when needed, especially when it, you know, when it certainly directly impacts uh, an agricultural interest close to our members. Uh, but we, uh, our, our main focus is on federal farm policy in Washington and working with our congressional delegation. Okay. I got a question since you brought up Washington. <laughs> we have a farm bill in 2023. Will be a new will be a new farm bill. Are y'all already? Are you talking to people about? Is that already starting to be talked about? Dennis, uh, we're we're actually starting some preliminary discussions. That seems like a fancy word, a fancy term, but there are there's already a a little bit of, of conversation starting about the next farm bill. Uh, be it amongst the amongst us and our delegation, as well as amongst the national organizations, uh, quite simply to see where they're going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, a, a big qu a, a question that I will get a lot, and it, it can be asked amongst our members or other organizations that are similar to ours. We're we are unique in that, that, that we're one of a few organizations of our size of our caliber with our you know with our focus that are involved in multiple commodities mm -hmm. um, now and, and when I say that it has direct involvement with the national commodities so let me let me break that down how is it that a cotton organization how do they how do they work with a soybean organization and maintaining a, a state of harmony, so to speak, between the growers mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the industry. Well, unlike some Midwest states or, or other areas, our, our cotton farmers are also soybean farmers mm -hmm. who are also corn farmers. So what's good for the industry is good for all of our members for the for the most part, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Well, we're highly so, so so it's so it's very important for us to have a seat at the table. And going a little farther than that, we are a you know soybeans are our largest row crop in the state of Louisiana. Mm -hmm. But on average, as compared to the other soybean producing states, we are a very small state. But all the more important for us to have a place at the table, you know, and, and, and for our, you know, our vote, or our voice to be heard on the national level. So I say all that to, to circle back around to your question, where we may not be a large player in even cotton anymore, we are certainly a strong cotton growing state. Mm -hmm. We're not strong in our acres, but we're strong in our representation and the history of our representation. We are working on that with soybeans and corn and even grain sorghum to a certain extent. 
to be able to, to have a place at the table at the national commodity groups, it better, it better provides us the ability to truly represent the interest of our growers when it comes to federal farm policy and, you know, in, in turn, not let the larger states dictate as to what's important to the, to the industry as a whole. Um, Louisiana, we're fortunate that we do have a congressional member on the, uh, on the House Agricultural Committee, and that is our newest member of, of Congress, Dr. Julia Letlow from the 5th District. The 5th District of, uh, the 5th Congressional District of Louisiana is the largest, uh, it's what we call the largest row crop district in the nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, the vast, the vast majority of the of Louisiana's agricultural industry is in uh, her is in her congressional district. Uh, she is poised to serve us very well uh, on the House Ag Committee and representing our state of Louisiana, much less our district. Uh, so we have been working with her since she took office earlier this year to educate her on agriculture she of course she lives in the delta uh but there's a lot that she is learning about agriculture we've kind of given her a crash course but uh but she is she's adapting well learning the language well and thank goodness she has some other great members of congress that are helping her up there uh we've we've been talking to her about uh farm bill listening sessions uh and the and the hopes that that she will uh that They'll host and lead those next year around the state, certainly in her district, but around the state as well, so that we can all have some input as to what's important with us. Uh, so Dan, that's a long way to answer your question, but we can never start working on a farm bill too soon, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I have another question. Can I go again? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. For us here along the river, and this. You know, most of our listeners are, are here along the river. and um, every All our elevators go to the river. It goes on a barge, goes to New Orleans, Baton Rouge, goes on a ship and goes overseas. So for us, what we're looking at and a big influence is the export market. How, I mean, does that come into with the farm bill too? Or is that, I mean... Well, I... I think for in order for anything in agriculture to work, there has to be demand for the supply. Yeah. You know, we can go back to simple economics. And, you know, as you said, Dennis, the vast majority of all of our commodities that we grow in the state of Louisiana are exported. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and and we're in you know, we're in such a we're in such a cat bird city that if you want to look at it that way, we're so fortunate as to where we live and where we farm and where we operate in, in our state, just like everywhere else along the Mississippi River, and what we call the Delta, is that we have that river there to, uh, to transport our goods. And, and we don't have very far to go to get to that river. So we depend, we depend on the demands around the world to truly give, give the stability that we need to our agricultural industry certainly in Louisiana. Uh, we're very fortunate with prices. Now, we, we, saw, we saw the prices in the markets take a pretty good dip yesterday, yep. and, uh, and some here as of late. But we had an excellent harvest. 
the farmers this year in our area, I know y'all heard from them as well as I have, you know, they needed a good year. I know it sounds very simple to say, but we had an excellent harvest season and we and for a change we had good prices to go along with harvest. Um, you know, we none of us have a crystal ball. I've, I've never met an agricultural economist yet to have a, to have a very good crystal ball. Uh, you know, there, there's always the, the worry and concern with markets uh, as, we, as we see things, but right now the markets are, are, are still pretty strong. And uh, there, is a, there is a considerable amount of optimism when it comes to the markets. Now, kind of the flip side of that, I, I don't want to go too far ahead of your, your question, the concerns now come with the input cost, as you all are certainly mm -hmm. aware of that. Uh, you know, the only thing worse than high prices are the high prices of inputs. Yeah. And and and, uh, and you know that's something that we're worrying about there. What will this input price do to our crop rotations that we see in our area in the Delta? Uh, right now, you know, there, there there's a lot of folks out there who are who are waiting to make decisions uh, to see where things are going to go, uh, fertilizer uh, price-wise and, and other input cost of, of, to, to give them the opportunity to decide what they will grow. Uh, I, think, I think that is certainly a, I think that's certainly playing a factor on everybody's right mind right now over what the export markets or what the, uh, what the ability of uh, 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 buying a commodity is right now. Well, and, and that does make it good for us because we are diversified. I mean, we're seeing, Kylie, yes. in, in Concordia Parish, you're seeing an uptake in, in grain sorghum. Mm -hmm. You know, more acres are coming out. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, we can, we can change. That's an excellent point, Dennis. Excellent point, Dennis. And, and something that, that we should never fail to mention, in the Mississippi Delta, as part of the most fertile farmland that can be found anywhere in the world, we have the fortunate ability to grow what the market dictates us to grow. If the market tells us that we need to be growing cotton, we can do that. If the market tells us that we need to be growing soybeans, we can do that too. Our corn, our, and we go down the line. Other areas in the world, certainly in our country, they don't have those luxuries, and that's so unfortunate. But, but nevertheless, um, it is it is also important, you know, when it comes to talking about our industry, is to maintain our infrastructure, and to talk about cotton for a minute. You know, cotton can only work if we have an infrastructure that can maintain that. Uh, in 2001, when I when I got involved in in the agricultural industry, can y'all hear me now? Oh yeah, oh, we yes, hear you good. We figured either your phone died or you know you were having that road rage uh, you were talking about, was, wasn't it? Well, I was I was still seeing you, but you couldn't hear me. I guess when I was talking to you. No, no, we lost you. Somewhere in there, we were talking about diversification. So Callie will edit all this out. She's good at it. <laughs> but we we're talking about diversification, being able to grow more than one crop. And yes, yes, that, that's and uh, that's what I was talking about. And fortunately for us here in in the Delta, 
we can grow what the markets dictate. And I think I was talking a little bit about some of our infrastructure yeah. on those on the industry. Did, did, did y'all hear me talk yeah. about any of that? You said you we cut off when you said when you started working in whatever year it was. Two thousand and one. Two thousand and one. Yeah, just to give y'all an idea of, of of what our cotton infrastructure is, we'll just use that as an example. In two thousand and one, and of course y'all were all working in two thousand and one as well, um, we had fifty six we had about fifty six active cotton gins in the state in two thousand and one. And we have about eight hundred and eighty thousand acres of cotton. Well here it is twenty twenty one you know, 20 years later, and we've got 16 active cotton gins in the state, ginning off of about 100,000 acres of cotton. Mm -hmm. And that's just what we've seen in 20 years. But the, I say all that to say this, regardless of what the price is of a commodity, if the infrastructure is not there to support it, it does not matter what the price of that commodity is. Yes. That's why it is so. That's why it is so important for us to do all that we can to maintain our infrastructure. I don't. I don't care whether it's with cotton or with the grains. We have to have elevators to support our grain industry, just like we have to have gins to support our cotton industry. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen a lot change over the years. And you guys have been, I'm not saying that y'all are old, I'm, I'm looking at RL sitting there at the table. I've been doing this for a long time, and y'all seen y'all seen changes uh, in y'all's career just like I've seen them in mine. Yeah, well, and that's something just, Kylie's got a question here in just a second, but I want to ask you, I want to ask, in the last two years, five years, we've seen a, a, a building more and more grain bins are being built in our area. Um, a lot of it has to yes. do with corn storage or corn harvest efficiency, yes. but then they're storing corn going to feed mills or they can go to the river if the price is different. Is this something that y'all are working with with the association trying to help, I guess, maybe market, develop markets for stored grain? I don't know if it's something that we're that we're working with. Obviously, you know, uh, we work with our growers in support of, of whatever decisions that they make. Mm -hmm. uh, we have seen, as you made your point, you know, we have seen a lot of on-farm storage built over the last number of years, and it's been since uh, it's been since the grain markets have uh, have really gone to astronomical levels in price. Yeah. And we say that. You know, it's not that the, you know, people have been growing a lot of grain. Our growers have been growing a lot of grain in Louisiana and in our areas over the years, not necessarily because of the price of cotton is low. It's because the price of the grains have been so high. The profitability has been there. and The input cost have, have been uh, at economically viable levels. And there's, and there's markets to sell your grain. Obviously, that's what you need to... That's obviously what you need to be profitable. Well, uh, as you as you pointed out, with the with the poultry industry so strong here in North Louisiana, uh, and and you know even shipped out of state to a certain extent, uh, we've seen more folks that want to be able to store their corn and and quite frankly wait for a more uh, 
wait for a more attractive price in, in their in their own personal opinions. Uh, you know, but again, you know, it's something we're supportive of the industry. But to say that we are we are pushing for that, I don't I don't know that we can say that. Yeah, but, okay. Well, uh, but but we push for whatever for whatever is in the best interest of our members. Yeah. Okay. And With I, the old, and I, think, and I think we'll see that continue. Yeah. I think we'll we'll continue to see on-farm storage uh, uh, developed, or those who are already developed further enhanced to allow for these markets that we're in right now. Two two parts here, Bobby. Being the old man here at the table, as you <laughs> just referred to. <laughs> Uh, the, exper the experienced gentleman. Oh, the experienced gentleman. oh you just lied on two phones right there. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> give my train of thought back here. The on farm storage, you know, again, the diversification plays into that, I believe, as well as anything, whether you hold for later markets, you know, uh, earlier yep. harvest. Yep. Also, I've seen some guys that it's played into where they could actually grow grain sorghum had they not been able to have on-farm storage because a lot of times they won't, the, the people I've seen, they don't want to take delivery on it until January, February. So you got to be able to, to hold it. I know at one time there were some government programs or something that was maybe in favor of grain bin storage, you know, helping to build storages or something. Yeah. And I thought that's where maybe what Dennis was alluding to when he asked for y'all, were y'all helping to support it, if that's something that comes up in part of the farm it, bill or something. Yes, yes. If, if it's something that come up that would directly benefit the interest of our members, as with anything, we would be, we would certainly be supportive of anything that, that, that would benefit the interest of our growers and our industry. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, whether it be anything through whether it be anything through Farm Bill or our our you know FSA, what, whatever it may be, uh, we would certainly support the interest of our members. Okay. Second thought second question. <laughs> uh, infrastructure you were talking about, you know, and we were talking yes, about uh, something I've heard on what little I watch the news anymore, it gets too depressing. Uh, yes. The president had some kind of in, uh, infrastructure bills and all improvements. Uh, does this include the river traffic? It's where I'm going with this. Uh, we had all talked about the river and how vital it is in moving our products, but yet we need some, some serious work you know, I've seen something the other day on the news about some one of the locks and dams up north they're working on or hoping to get funded. All this stuff we have was great 50 years ago, 60 years ago when it was built. It needs right. some. It needs some serious attention. Uh, Indeed, and we have, and we have really, you know, we we started a lot of that work with Dr. Abraham uh, when he was our congressman. And uh, he, he led a lot of efforts to uh, to look at a lot of different projects. We're continuing that with uh, with Dr. Letlow, uh, being that she is now in that seat. Uh, we we uh, had a recent meeting with her and talked about the importance of dredging and maintaining our, our ports along the Mississippi River. Certainly, uh, uh, in uh, those that are in her district, as well as you know, just being a champion for maintaining our river traffic. Um, I think, you know, it's something that we all take for granted sometimes, but 
I really just don't believe that enough people involved truly understand how absolutely vital that Mississippi River is to commerce and trade and industry in the United States regardless. I mean, in addition to agriculture, they do not understand how important that river is and that it needs to be maintained at all costs. Uh, that is a that is something that we push daily, uh, and that is something that uh, you know, one thing as it pertains to politics and and, uh, and and legislative affairs and lobbying, there are bipartisan uh, fights and struggles as you can all imagine. You watch the news, and it's sometimes it it's hard to watch the news. If there was ever really a something that could be considered quote-unquote bipartisan that everybody should be able to rally behind its agriculture because regardless if somebody is in, is is involved in active farming or ranching the last time I checked most people eat three times a day and a farmer touches their life in some way form or fashion every day regardless of where you live, what your job is, what your lifestyle is. So when it relates to agriculture, in my opinion, and it's the opinion of lots of others, that's the last truly bipartisan um, uh, affair that we can all truly get behind and we put our political beliefs. Now, there may be some political uh, differences on how we get to some of these places, but at the end, it's something that we can all rally behind. And, you know, the, the river is, is certainly a big factor in that. And so many of our, of our political leaders today, they still need education as to what's out there, as to what's important out there and why it's important. Mm -hmm. So I, I hope that answers your question in some way, form or fashion. There's, there's not an easy way to, to, to fix that. It, it is certainly ongoing efforts. Right. I mean, that's the main thing, you know, is, is to, that I was after, is we've got to keep the river flowing, mm -hmm. keep the traffic yes. coming down. And just to back up what you said, even being around it, whatever location of the state I've lived in uh, my entire well, 60 plus years, uh, I've seen the river at Baton Rouge, I've seen the river up here, lived on it. But I never realized the true importance of it till about eight, ten years ago, when it got so low oh, yeah. that we could not load barges up here, literally. And I rode up to one of the ports, right. and where there was normally a barge sitting there loading, it was dry ground yeah. and a willow tree growing up yeah. underneath <laughs> the elevator. I mean, that really drove it home to me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and, and we, uh, you know, we were facing a, you know, what could have been a disaster. It was unfortunate that it, it had to go through the time that it did, right at, uh, right at corn harvest, uh, working on getting, uh, getting the port dredged up near Lake Providence. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, there was a lot of delay. Uh, you know, the the core. We, uh, you know, we we were doing all we could to work with our neighboring states on the river. Uh, and working with the Corps to get 
get some of these ports that, that should be prioritized, prioritized. We work with Congress. We, we got in our, you know, we, we work with our Congress uh, congressional delegation as well as our Senate delegation to uh, urge and push because at that point we were looking at, at corn harvest uh, and, you know, the ports couldn't do anything. And if you didn't have any on farm storage, you were, you know, for yeah. a lack of better words, you were going to be in a bind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the wheels of government and the wheels of, of, of advancement sometimes turn real slow. But with all, the, with all of these things that are in the way, we fought COVID, uh, the dredging crew, as we understood, all, uh, all come down with COVID which further delayed their travels to uh, uh, upriver to get to the Lake Providence port to work. And, but fortunately, we were able to get there. Uh, we had some delay, and we were, we were backed up a little bit more than we wanted to be. But fortunately, we were able to get that done uh, and get it to a level to where they could load barges and they, and they could ship out, and we could work off of it. But, you know, it, it's like we were telling Dr. Letlow and educating her in a, in a meeting earlier this, uh, uh, earlier last month, you know, it's something that, okay, we, we can't just, we can't just look at it, okay, well, it's, it's one and done, we got it, we don't have to worry about this again. This takes constant, uh, constant management, you know, it, it's a, it's a never-ending battle, you know, to keep that river flowing the way that we want it to flow. I hope y'all would agree with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, Kylie's got a question because you just talked about COVID. And <laughs> sure. No, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess one of our biggest issues, you know, is labor. And, and around us, and us included, we have South Africans. And I saw on the news last yes. week, starting Monday, um, that Biden was going to stop travel um, from South yes. Africa particularly and uh, I was just wondering if anybody's watching that um, if there was any insight you had on if, if, if y'all are talking about that and do we need to be worried about Absol it, I guess absolutely it was, it was almost like you know you get one step up on the ladder only to follow two <laughs> steps you know we've worked for so long because there was the uh, there was the risk that South Africa was, was going to be removed as one of our H2A uh, eligible countries. Right. And, you know, our, our organization, as well as our, our uh, counterparts with Louisiana Farm Bureau and our other uh, sister organizations uh, in the country, we all pushed to try to, because labor is needed, and we have to have labor in order to do what we do. And we were so fortunate when we and relieved when we found out from the Secretary of State's office that South Africa would remain on our list of H2A eligible countries. And then we all we all saw the news last week at the same time of the President putting travel bans on those countries. So now we have to turn and, and, and gear back up to push for whatever we can whatever we can get done safely I should say we don't want to, we don't want to cut any corners and do anything unsafe or under under the table or you know, we want everything that we do to be above board but what can we do now with the travel ban in place with the with the concerns over this newest variant to make for sure that our labor can come back next year when we need 
we don't know yet what that's going to entail as, as we've just begun some of these talks, but uh, this, is, this is a serious and major point of concern. Yeah, well, we need them. <laughs> so, Golly, yeah, golly, 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 golly. We, we have a hand we have so many farmers through our area that 100 percent of their labor force mm -hmm. uh, are South African uh, are South African employees yeah and if they cannot get them that means they would have zero employees mm -hmm. you yeah. you're just gonna have to drive this that's point. right <laughs> I don't to. know that will would like that <laughs> <laughs> then uh, I probably wouldn't I'd probably get fired maybe at least by day <laughs> Well, I don't think I can run a sprayer. <laughs> well, like I said, labor is a huge yeah, issue. Yeah, it is. Y'all understand? Y'all understand with with uh, with trying to secure labor to work on the on the research stations at the farm. It's, uh, it's uh, everywhere. It's just, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just getting to be a bigger problem. Our rural areas, you know, folks aren't staying there. They're mm -hmm. they're wanting to move away from the rural areas when they move away. That you just don't you just don't have uh, you don't yeah. have the, the the employee pool there that we once had. And Ten, it's tough, very tough situation. Yeah. Tensile parishes. Not just agriculture. I think it, I think it's important to note too. It's not just an agricultural issue. I mean, labor is an issue amongst all industry, hmm. and and we're all facing that. I think. Well, in Tensile Parish here, I think the census for this year shows us around 4,000 people in the whole parish. Yep. And yep. just numbers of people having somebody, you know, to work. Uh, I saw the local restaurant up here. One of them closed, had to close the other night because they didn't have anybody to work. I mean, they had people wanting to come, but That's nobody, right. nobody to work. They were short-staffed. Yeah, and, and, and I can just tell you this on the farm. It's not, it's not easy work. It's, it, the equipment, you know, you've got to be able to run a computer. You kind of ha have to have some sense. And if you mess up, you, it costs a lot of money to fix it. So mm -hmm. um, you can't really afford right. to have someone out there that doesn't know what they're doing. You need good labor. Mm -hmm. And because um, it, it can really hurt you if you don't. So, and, I, and, and we've been blessed with the one we have this year. Um, he was a lot of right. help. But, I mean, we would really like to have him back. So. <laughs> Is there any extension to where they could stay if they were willing? We we applied for an extension to having um, stay longer because we had picked up some more ground and we had put all that in there. And um, but anyway, it, it got denied, so he had to go back at the time that he's you know that we agreed to in the beginning. But um, yeah, I'm sure I'm, I know that they they will do that. Okay. Uh, that's all the questions. All I got. That's all I got. I mean, you ought to be at Shreveport by now. I am. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we appreciate everything you do for us and uh, also appreciate you uh, joining us today. We'd love to have you back anytime. All right. Thank you. Well, look, we, we, certainly, we, we certainly thank y'all for all you do. And we, we continue to support the LSU Ag Center and the great work it does. Uh, and I would, I would thank y'all for the opportunity to let me join y'all. And if there's anything that I or our association can do, please don't ever hesitate to ask. Um, All right, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.